Welcome to Stepdad Success, turning the tide on the way stepdads are seen and show up in the world. We're a new breed of leaders raising leaders. Blood or no blood, we raise them as our own. We're connected, loving, and committed to leading them into the future. If you asked a normal dad, he'd say we're doing the impossible. He'd say, but they're not yours. How do you do it? Yet every day, stepdads around the world are forging the way. That's what we call stepdad success. We're leaders raising leaders. And these are our stories. Good morning. This is James Klobass. It's a bright and early morning here in Australia. And today we've got a another interview with another stepdad. And... This time, we've got Rick Blackburn. Now, Rick's from San Antonio, Texas, and he's a plastering contractor. I've been a plastering contractor, or has his own business for the last 18 years, so obviously pretty stable sort of business, stable growth there. And he's got two stepkids, and he's got a fairly interesting background. Uh, I'll let him dive into a little bit more of that, but welcome, Rick. Awesome to have you on the on the call, and um, you know, just really appreciate you you showing up today. Not, not at all. I'm, I'm happy to be here, James. Mate, um, I'll start off. Maybe you can give us just a little bit of a background on on yourself. You've, as I said, you've had a fairly interesting background, and um, <laughs> maybe you can share a little bit about that. And and really, we'll dive into sort of how that applies to you know your kids and how you're parenting and step-parenting at, at the moment. Sure. Um, all right. Well, I'll try to, as you said, it's kind of interesting. Um, and so if, if, if I miss a, a facet or something there or, you know, don't don't hesitate to push me back on track, but or if I start going too far, let me know. Um, uh, no problem. But, uh, you, you just go where you need to go. Well, as I said, we'll just see where it takes us. I, uh, uh, my family, uh, was a, uh, military family. My dad was, a uh, is, is now a retired naval officer. And, um, uh, mom was, uh, stayed home mom early and then, then a work mom later. Um, you know, but we were all, uh, my two, uh, two sisters and a brother were all, you know, natural kids. Um, but, uh, Coming up, a uh, big big age difference between the the older two siblings and the younger two siblings, my myself and my my sister. Sure. Um, so not a lot of uh, not a lot of closeness between the siblings, you know, and and uh, because of the age differences, you know, you kind of had the older ones like, hey, leave us alone, you know, <laughs> and uh, the uh, then the younger two and uh, uh, coming along, you know, wanting to tag along and do stuff, but kind of being, you know, just, just normal stuff being told, uh, you know, Hey, we, we, you know, the older kids didn't want the younger ones tagging along. So, uh, I was just going to say, tell mm-hmm. me, Rick, we like being that military family, were you, um, moving around or were, were you fairly stable? Um, yeah, no, we, like we traveled significantly. Um, I mean, in the, uh, in 18, my first 18 years, I guess we had lived, uh, three, four, uh, five different, uh, five different places. Right. Um, and I think I'll be honest with you, I, you know, I'm one of these people, uh, I believe in a hundred percent accountability and, and responsibility, you know, personal responsibility. So if I, if I say something that, you know, well, to give backstory, I'm not giving any, I want to make sure there's no excuse for, you know, we all make our own decisions. We all make our own choices. Um, sure. I can suggest that, you know, Hey, some of this backstory, maybe that led to my thinking in this or something, but but I'm responsible for for my life. So, um, mm, sure. The uh, anyway, the, uh, the certainly the moving around as a military family was uh, uh, was was tough for me. Um, you know, as a younger kid, it didn't. Uh, you know, it's really weird. The differences in the world. As a young kid, you don't see it. You know, it's like we're taught the differences. Um, you know, and I mean in people. Um, you know, as we grow up, we we start off we're we're this this incredibly uh, you know new and and great creature. You know, and along the way we learn all these bad habits. Yeah. Um And one of the one of the bad habits I picked up and was uh, seeing differences. You know, um, in in me and and everybody else. 
and uh and it wasn't in a um not in a prejudice thing but i saw a difference you know hey i'm different than that i'm different than that i'm different than that and that and those differences to me i took them as as i'm less than so you know i grew up with a lot of real uh uh kind of inferiority you know fear um that was just me growing up um cool. and it wasn't like I said when i was real young but especially going into the uh the teenage years. Oh, it was, uh, it was something. Now I went through a real struggle there. Um, and would not having the real tight knit, uh, you know, support from my family, even though, I mean, they're a good family, you know, I mean, the the values, the the standards, everything, uh, they were doing what they thought to be the right thing, you know, raising kids and, uh, uh, something I, I needed something more, you know, I needed something on, or I needed more connection than I was getting. Yeah, and, it's um, it's interesting. It's um, you know, just in that we, you know, our parents always do the best they can do, and you know, I'm not, you know, I've told my story before on the on the podcast here, but you know, I I had a very rough upbringing, Rick, and um, you know, you you do, you know, going to school. I remember school was just being horrible because I was much the same, you know, very much. You know, that inferiority complex and just didn't have the confidence to be out and, you know, diving into school at, you know, at 100%. So I I understand where you're coming from there. Well, I think, uh, yes, I think you, you take those kind of, uh, that kind of confusion, I guess, or inner turmoil and, uh, and you know, lack of support system for, for whatever reason. Um, and throw that into the teenage years and oh boy <laughs> uh i uh you know the, the the looney tunes cartoons here uh they always talk about bugs bunny pops up and says you know what pops up out of a hole in the middle of a desert goes i think we should have turned left at albuquerque and <laughs> it's kind of a joke there and and uh it, it's kind of like a like a little thing in my life I, I look back and i go yep there were a whole bunch of times man i should have took that left at albuquerque <laughs> and, um, you know the uh, you know getting into uh drinking i found uh, i found drinking and drugs at an early age uh you know around 12 13 yeah um and it wasn't uh you know early on it wasn't to drink to uh drink or, or drug to, to change the way i felt it was just to oh i was accepted you know to be to be a part of this group you know sure and but again i wasn't emotionally mentally prepared to to handle that and and it became more than that it became to where that was how i learned how to um to change the way i felt and um so that that led into you know a whole uh a whole another world of uh getting in trouble and uh you know it was, it was really weird this 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 cycle uh, it's like this giant snowball uh the cycle created of of uh you know i had this love and respect for my family and this inferiority of myself and then I would go and get in trouble. I mean I wanted to please but I would get in trouble, do something stupid, go out and get drunk or, you know, uh get high and, and steal something or, you know, uh get kicked out of school or you know, just just something. And um this uh I would do something wrong and then this massive mountain of shame and guilt would would hit me and it was even double down on the whole uh inferiority thing you know and of course the only way i know how to get out of that bad feeling was here's more drinking more drugs and uh and it was just this really and this is i mean honestly this is 13 14 15 um uh you know i just i was a kind of a kind of a train wreck um Finally, you know, I, I felt, I, I look back at my parents and I don't know how they didn't kill me, you know. Uh, they, they tried everything, uh, everything that everybody suggested that, that they could manage, you know. I'm, I'm sure there were some things that people suggested like, hey, you need to sit down and connect with him that they weren't capable of. But, uh, but they did everything that they were capable of, which was, you know, help, uh, halfway houses and, and hell, I was in the mental hospital and I was in programs and, you know, psychiatrists and, you know, everything trying to figure out what's the matter with this kid? You know, why, why, why is he bent on self-destruction? Yeah. And, 
anyway, uh, that continued on. Uh, I got, uh, I mean, I, I just grew up that way. Uh, I got sober when I was 16, uh, for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, life kind of turned around, but I still wasn't ready for, uh, I wasn't ready for full-time sobriety or a lifetime of sobriety. I'm still immature. And, and, uh, so when I went back out, uh, again, this is the last time, um, that one lasted for about 10 years. And, uh, that one took me again down into, you know, tried, tried to manage my drinking, tried to manage, uh, drug use and, uh, and, you know, learned to trade and worked and did all these things. But, uh, as, as life went on, I, became very disenfranchised with my own life and, and how unsuccessful it was. And, you know, I spent uh, most of my days going to work and, and most of my nights sitting in a bar drinking or, uh, which then eventually led to this doesn't make me feel good anymore and doing a lot more drugs. So, uh, from drugs, uh, from, from that, I got, like I said, from the drinking, I got in heavily involved in uh, cocaine and, uh, from, uh, the cocaine, I, I got into a lot of theft um and ended up in prison at uh 28 years old um you know i i arrived in uh in uh, state penitentiary in florida and uh that was the you know i've been in and out of jails and stuff like that and in and out and lots of trouble my whole life you know so right. but when i got to uh i got to the to to the penitentiary it was a uh it was like the that was my moment you know, that was where the light came on. Yep. And, uh, it was, I just looked around at, at the people around me and my situation and it clicked in my head. I said, this isn't the way life's supposed to be. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't raised for this. I wasn't, this isn't me. And all those years of trying to be somebody else and, you know, get away from myself, you know, running away from myself basically got me got me exactly there. It got me away from myself, but it wasn't me. And, um, so that, that light switch went off that, uh, that day and, and I made a decision and I, and I almost feel like I could, like I was talking out loud, you know, I could, I said, I'm going to change. And, uh, and I did, um, I spent, uh, I spent three and a half years in the penitentiary. Um, and during that three and a half years, uh, I did everything that I could do as far as, uh, uh, drug treatment. Um, so, you know, confronting myself, learning about myself. I, I tried to, uh, started trying to go to church, which I'd always struggled with. Um, the, uh, uh, educational stuff, you know, any, anything I could do, you know, physical, any, anything I could do to make myself a better person, uh, you know, within the, uh, the confines where I was, I did. And, um, and then when I was released from prison, uh, at, uh, one quite 30, let's see, I guess I was 32. Um, and, um, I was released in Florida and at that point, my, my, my parents were living in Texas where I am now and I left. So uh, I got out of prison and I left Florida and I went. I moved straight to Texas and nobody in Texas knew me except my mom and my dad. And they had, once again, they were giving me another shot. You know, here's this, Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, but you know, we love, we love our son and we're going to, we want to help him. So, uh, you know, I went out there and stayed with them for a couple of months and uh, I started working. I started my own company. Um, you know, all those years during the drinking and drug, and I had still learned to trade. You know, I'd, I'd gone to work and yep. uh, and learned something, so I had something to fall back on. But uh, um, the decision I made when I got to Texas was that I was going to be, and, and, and again, this is one of those things I said out loud almost, I think. Uh, I'm going to be the person that I want to be here. Um, Tell me. Know, it was, uh, this gave me, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, Tommy, like you were obviously that was a, a couple of pivotal moments there in your life where you kind of, you know, you hit the rock bottom, you end up in prison, you're like, okay, this something's got to change. You obviously did a lot of work on yourself um, at that time. Then you get out and you're like, okay, I'm in a, I've got a chance. Um, I'm going to create a new me. 
tell me, uh, you know, how long was it until you met your wife? And um, uh, it was about uh, honestly, it was only about a year later um, right. that uh, that I met my wife. Yeah, uh, because I, I mean, I was night and day, James, uh, from who I was to who I became. Sure, uh, I went. Uh, it was uh, I, I ran on this concept. I went I went through the uh, spent a lot of time in the AA program, um, working the steps, um, you know, learning about honesty and, and integrity. And uh, I found that I didn't have the luxury of living any other way. Uh, you know, I, I had to live in integrity and in everything that I did, every everything I said. Yep. Um, and and as a result, it was it was a night and day difference. Um, and what about so, your what about your wife? What sort of a background did she have? Um, you know, come, coming into things, did, <laughs> did she know? Did she know about you? Um, yeah. Your background, or uh, you know, we, you've obviously discussed it later, or whatever. Um, no, but, no, it was. Um, uh, that's a good question. We, uh, uh, my wife's background. She she was born and raised here in San Antonio. Comes from a, a really good uh, good family here, close knit growing up. Um, uh, my wife's, uh, uh, I don't know if you, um, dysfunction or whatever is, is with husbands. <laughs> she, uh, I, I, I'm number four. Um, Ron. Okay. And, uh, uh, she's my first wife. I, I'm her fourth husband. My, both of my stepkids have different fathers. Um, and, uh, so, when I met my wife, uh, I was working on a, on a project in, uh, in a building that she managed. And um, I saw her and I thought, wow, this, is, you know, this woman really seems to have it together, you know. She's attractive and, you know, managing this is a good job here. And anyway, I asked her out to uh, – to, first, I, I questioned her, are you married? And she says, sort of. <laughs> you know, it, it, it probably should have stopped at that point. I guess. Yeah, I know, well – Sort of, sort of was an sort of was answer. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, she was in the in process. She was separated and in the process of a divorce at the time. Um, but we uh, we went out the first night, and uh, that first night it was you know a, kind of my I don't know how to not tell the truth anymore. So uh, uh, I laid it out for her the very first night we went out. Said, this is me. I'm a I'm a I'm a drunk. I'm an ex-convict. Yeah. Uh, I'm a drug addict. Um, you know, I'm 32 years old and and never been in a real serious relationship. You know, or nothing that lasted. And uh, you know, pretty much uh, that's all you get right here. This is it. So. And what was her um, reaction to that? How did she? Yeah. You know, what? it was. Uh, I, I wish. Uh, I wish she could answer that question, but I remember uh, she was impressed with my honesty and my ability to, you know, or uh, my lack of fear in talking about, you know, who I was. Yep. And uh, so the, we kept going out, you know, and, uh, and she had one thing led to another and I'm sorry. Yeah. And she had, Two kids at the time, so yeah. Um, how long was it before you met the kids? Uh, probably, probably about a month. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we we were kind of dating. We we would get together and we'd have dinner after work. You know, was was our big thing. Um, I was I was still attending meetings, uh, AA meetings every day, um, yep. sometimes twice a day. I did that for about three years after I got out of prison. It was just part of that was part of my life and. Uh, the uh so we scheduled our time together you know well hey i've got a meeting at seven we can get together for dinner at eight thirty if you like you know and so we started doing that and and pretty much saw each other for you know i don't know four or five days a week and uh after about a month or so uh the kids started you know i said well, why don't you why don't you bring the kids to dinner you know and that was a that was another uh, funny story or kind of a train wreck because these kids had uh had developed the chicken the chicken nugget uh you know they were happier with the chicken nugget than they were with anything else that's all sure sure you know (laughs) most kids are like that it's like yeah it's like you've been 
feeding them chicken nuggets because that's what they ask for. You know, yeah. they, they quit feeding them what they just so. I come along and like, hey, come on, let's go. Let's have a nice sit down at dinner. Yeah, can I have chicken nuggets? What? <laughs> uh, you know, so it was. Uh, it was just. It was one of the kind of the funny things starting off, and uh, and so we, we, you know, they they would come to dinner with us, you know, a couple three times a week, and um, and had how, a real, how, real how, struggle. Yeah, I was going to say, how are they reacting to you? Because um, it was, you know. I, to look back at it, uh, I don't blame them because, you know, here I'm number four, you know, and yeah. uh, the one before me didn't last very long. Um, uh-huh. It was neither of their fathers, and, and he, he kind of turned into a real real obsessive uh, controlling person as soon as the marriage happened. And uh, anyway, so that marriage was very short-lived. But um, So I, I think they were just like, oh, God, here's another one, you know. Now you know what 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 is this what is this asshole gonna do? Yeah. Um and And I wasn't I was gonna say tell me like what was your take on it? What were you kind of you know, what was your approach to the kids at that time? Obviously you knew a little bit of background and yeah. I just tried to be their friend. I mean I was I I look hey I I wanna be your I mean eventually I became their dad, but uh you know, I just wanted to get to know them. I wanted them to, to I wanted to be friendly with them. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the craziest thing that I found for me, uh, in, in that, in the early and, and even then, even after we were married was, uh, that I carried so much of this, this prison mentality with me. Um, you know, I mean, part of it was the prison mentality and part of it was the way I grew up was, you know, when my dad said something, you just did it. You, yep. you never, you wouldn't even consider questioning, um, you know, and, and you certainly wouldn't consider not doing it. Um, so that, and, and then the, and then the kind of the, the prison mentality of, you know, hell, when you told somebody something, you expected them to respect what you told them. And if they didn't, you know, you managed it physically, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I, I think, uh, especially with my my son, with with Ryan, uh, uh, we came with this. That's where he and I struggled, um, and and I, I really I take a hundred percent responsibility there because he needed something that I didn't know how to give him. Um, you know, I came with this kind of heavy, you know, you're going to do what I tell you to do kind of thing because you're living under my roof, and uh, and it was a, it was just a battle. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say and he like, responded he responded with the uh, uh no, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know yeah. how to take that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, often and I know in myself and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, coming from a rough background, there's that reluctance to show intimacy. Um, I know I struggled with it when I first met my you know, step boys they um, you know, they were wanting hugs and kisses and like, I was kind of like, well, I might, I felt very hesitant in, in just becoming intimate with them. Did you have the same kind of experience? With, with, uh, with Ryan, absolutely. Um, and, and it was just because he was, he was so disconnected, uh, from, from men, you know, I mean, his mom going through the, uh, you know, he, he, Donna had divorced his dad while he was still a baby. Um, he became abusive and, and she left him. Um, and then she met, uh, Caitlin's father and they were together for, for eight years. And he became kind of a, kind of a stepdad or, you know, or a dad to, to Ryan. Yeah. Um, and, and then he was gone. And I think that really, uh, that really kind of hurt Ryan. Um, he was old enough to, you know, to, to really be struggling, he was kind of going into those teen years. And, right. um, yep. and then of course her, her third marriage was, uh, you know, I don't know, we tease her about it. She said, you know, you had to have been out of your mind. It was a, because the guy was just, he, he was pretty awful. Um, I think she was looking for security or something for, for her and the kids. I mean, honestly, sure. it was a, it's kind of a financial thing. And, uh, and then he turned into be this controlling, you know, uh, potentially violent asshole, and so 
her friends told her, well, you need to get away from this guy, whatever it takes. And so she did. And it was a very short lived marriage. But, you know, Ryan went through this really rocky time with men. And so I think he had about zero faith in, uh, you know, in, in men as a as a whole. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't help that because I, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't come with the understanding or the maturity or the, or the instructions of how to deal with that. And, sure. you know, I brought, I brought what I knew and, yeah. you know, so the times where I think I'm trying to be patient and yet, but yet I'm trying to be firm and, you know, I'm, I'm how, trying to, how, to yeah. look Go ahead. I was going to say, how long did it take before you kind of broke through? Firstly, for yourself, and mm. then with Ryan, you know, how long till you kind of bridged the gap there? I mean, obviously, uh, like was, all, of, all of your background and everything, and their background, like it's all there's a massive dynamic going on there, mm. um, and it's <laughs> you know, it's, it's really. It's not one person's kind of fault or anything like that. It's it's a combination of all the all the background stories culminating, yeah. Know, and they kind of collide in that moment. But um, you know, what yeah, I, I, I call it a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> what did it What did it take to overcome that, and how long did it take? Um, with with Ryan, um, it took a long time. Uh, he. Uh, I want to say Ryan was about 25 years old. So you're talking 12 years. Yeah, wow. Of, uh, of, you know, input and, and not, you know, of course not, 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 not every day because there was a time he was going to college and it was like, oh, thank God he's gone. Mm. Um, you know, there was, uh, from about 16 to 18, he and I didn't speak much. Um, you know, I got to the point where our relationship became the most disruptive thing in the household. Um, you know, it was like, hey, you're the more I pushed that, hey, you're 16, you're, you know, you, you've got to, you have to do something in school. You can't just, you can't just show up and, and, and slack. I mean, there's more than that. Um, you know, what are you going to do? You want to go to college, you want to, you know, and, and trying to have all these, these conversations, the adult conversations with him about, you know, real life stuff. And, and he just was, he just dug his feet in and, and the, the more I pushed, the more apathetic he became. And, um, I got to the point where, you know, I, I don't know what to do. So, uh, we, we didn't talk much for about two years. And, and I, I remember making a, uh, comment to him one night. And I just told him, I pulled him aside and I said, look, you keep all of your crap and your mess inside of that room right there and don't drag it out into this house and we're going to get along. Okay. And, uh, and it was about like that for two years. Um, now that was kind of the ugly side. Uh, but during that time, James, one thing I, I did is it didn't matter what he did. I went there. Um, so physical presence, uh, I would say was, was one of the things I knew how to do well. Uh, you know, I mean, if he had, he was involved in baseball or, um, you know, club baseball and, and I mean, that was his love. I don't know, squat about baseball, but I went to every damn game. Um, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't fault that there wasn't a, there wasn't somebody in the stands cheering for, uh, you know, cheering for my son. Yeah. Um, so those, those were the investments I made, I think. Um, because I didn't know how to win in any other way with him. Sure. Uh, the, you know, we, we tried to do things together. We tried to do family things and it just, you know, it was just, it was a daily struggle. And I remember, you know, finally when, when he went to college, you know, we, I was counting the days, you know, when he leaves for college, he was like, Oh my God, thank you. And, uh, we took him up and we got him registered and dropped him off. And I said, I'll see you in four years. You know, and uh, so we were still, you know, uh, it wasn't until he graduated college and probably, I guess, in about his senior year, that's when things started to change um, that. And, and I think it was a maturity thing for him. But also during that time, I I had changed some, you know, while he was away. 
Um, because I did, I spent a lot of time reflecting, trying to figure out what I did wrong, you know, what I, what I could have done better. You know, I still feel bad about those two years that, that we didn't talk much. I kind of gave up on him. Um, but, uh, you know, he came back from, uh, from college and started working and I guess there was a, there was just a little bit more trust. It wasn't, I don't, I don't want to say it was respected, but I think he, I think he looked and realized that, wow, this guy did what he said he was going to do. Mm. You know, he said so, he was going to stick with me and he said he was going to make sure that I got an education. He said that I was, he was going to make sure that he's going to try to help me grow up the best he could. And I'm sure, and, uh, I'm sure turning up to those baseball games counts somewhere in the, in the mix too, right? It's, um, you know, I, 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 it, I have it takes to think a long does. time. Yeah. I think you yeah. made a good point earlier that, uh, you know, I mean, the dynamics between he and I were so, uh, you know, so inconducive to, to, you know, harmony that, uh, that it took, that's how long it took. And, and, you know, right now, uh, I came home from warrior con and, uh, brought my black book with me. And the first person that I wanted to share it with was him. And, uh, yeah, wow. nice. I was, uh, and we sat down and I, and I handed it to him and, you know, we talked about his life and what's going on and, and, uh, you know, which, which we've been doing off and on since, since he got out of college, you know, we, we, it's not an everyday thing, but, you know, maybe once a month or every couple of weeks, you know, uh, it's out of the blue to call us, Hey, what's going on? And, and we talk. And, um, so the, the trust thing I think is really just what had to happen with him. He had to believe that, uh, yeah, you were going to be there and I was going to stay and, uh, and that I cared, you know. So um, tell me, tell me on the flip side, uh, Rick. Like, what was it like with Caitlin? Now, yeah, Caitlin was a dream, Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, so she, she was uh, <laughs> total reverse, polar opposite. Uh, you know, at mm. eight years old, all she wanted to do was please. I mean, she was this this wonderful little girl that just wanted to make the whole world happy. Um, you know, we didn't have a we didn't have a struggle for nine years. You know, I mean, we we got along. The, well, you know, say we didn't have struggle. The only struggles we had were the dynamics between uh, myself, my wife, her, and her father. Huh. And she struggled a lot with this guilty feeling of because she liked me. We got along, and yeah. We did stuff together, you know. Um, I went to every one of her games. She was she was a full time sports nut, so every day, every day of the year, we were doing something, um, and and I was there for every one of them. Uh, school, you know, the she, just I loved her. She's just wonderful, so easy to love. Um, uh, yeah. But she had this guilty feeling that if uh, if she liked or cared about me she was betraying her father and she struggled with that a lot. Uh, so if, if we had issues, it would be when she would go to her dad's and spend the weekend and then come home. And it was like, Oh golly, here's this little monster. And it took a day, a day and a half to straighten her back out. And then she was back to this angel again. It's um, interesting, isn't it? That transition time, you know, we experience it oh, as well. And, um, you know, we have the boys week on, week off with um, their dad. And, you know, he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we get along and, you know, we catch up and, you know, we can have a beer together and, we, you know, we see him at school drop off and that sort of thing. So there's no no real drama dynamics. But just that transition between the two is is interesting sometimes. It creates challenges just in itself, let alone, you know, if there's even more dynamics, you know, with like with yourself, there's, you know, both of the kids have got different parents, you know. Are the kids' parents in their life um, much now? Uh, Ryan, Ryan's father, no, not really. Uh, I mean, he he managed his child support through 18, and uh, uh, we asked him to continue uh, through, you know, while Ryan was in college. He said, look, would you just send your child support to him so he can eat, you know. And, uh, and sometimes he would, and sometimes he would. <laughs> Um, but Ryan really has no relationship with him at all. Um, 
you know, he came, one of the deals he came to the graduation and Ryan's like, why is he here? I don't want him here. And so he's got some issues to work out with him, hopefully. And, and I've always tried to encourage him that, you know, hell, it's still your dad, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, you still, you only get one of them. So, um, but, uh, with Caitlin, uh, um, her, she still has a, a relationship with her dad. He's, he doesn't live that far away, maybe, maybe an hour, hour and a half away from us. And, um, it's a struggle. Her dad's a jackass sometimes. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, she is so easy to, to love. I mean, she's, she's hardworking. She's, she's talented. She's, you know, um, she's caring. I mean, she's just, just this incredibly wonderful person. And sometimes she's just a jackass. Uh, we've struggled through the college years of, uh, um, you know, he's going to help pay for college and then he decides not to. And then he doesn't, and he, you know, it's, and it just became a, okay, never mind. If he, if he gives any money, great. If he doesn't, it is what it is, you know? Um, but she saw, uh, she kind of learned, got used to her dad, I guess, uh, and his, his changes, you know, or his moods or whatever. And, uh, you know, she, she obviously, she still loves him. They, they, they have a, uh, relatively close relationship, but I, I don't think it's near as close as, as hers in my relationship, you know, but again, I, I think that comes out of consistency. Um, yeah. If, if, if a kid wants anything, I think that's what they want is consistency. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I've noticed, you know, just with our kids, they, they're very flexible and they're willing to take on new, but again, yeah, consistency is, is a must. If they, if you, you know, if you're not showing up, they just, they turn on you and, yeah, and, and, you know, that's, that's a fair call from them as well. Uh, I know, you know, as a kid, my, my dad was far from loving and, you know, you, when you don't have that and you don't have that consistency of love, it, um, yeah, you, you're going to rebel against it. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, I'd, I'd say that's about what happened uh, with, uh, with Caitlin's dad is that, and he, he blew so much, you know, he blew a lot of years because of, uh, uh, other things were priority versus being there, you know? And, uh, even if you're not married to her mom, you still got to be there. And, yeah. uh, anyway, so yeah, that was my, that was my win, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Lack of a better way to put it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've, um, it's certainly been an interesting one and, like, uh, and this is, and just for the listeners out there, um, Rick referred to WarriorCon and the Black Book just a few moments ago, and their pieces of, um, you know, some of the things I mentioned in the Warriors Way and living the Warriors Way. WarriorCon is an event that uh, is on each year, and the Black Book is a book. Um, it's really just a, a a system for living as such and we talk about that and in the podcast you know I've given some description around all of those things so um I know Ryan uh Rick sorry from from the the brotherhood of um warrior and you know we actually you know, learn these things ourselves and obviously pass them down to our kids tell me Rick have you, you you mentioned that you'd been passing on some of this stuff to Ryan how's he taking to um kind of the the warrior message it's uh it's slow right now um i'm kind of a uh, we're at the stage now where you know he has the book um and giving him the time to do the reading and 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 i, and I just told him you know he hasn't come back to me yet uh I, I just told him i said hey read it you know read the start of it read, read 10 pages i don't care you know and, and if it doesn't bite you you know put it down but if you if you see something or you, you read something in there that clicks, you know, and you got a question about it, then let's let's get together and talk. But uh um you know, kind of a maybe I learned something that uh you know, over the years that you know, with Ryan it's a different approach. Um, you know, put the seed in his mind and then and then let him go. You know, he's gotta he's gotta make that decision that this that he wants to know something about it. And uh, sure. if, if I push him, then he, he usually responds with, 
you know, digging his heels in and, you know, being stubborn. So, uh, I was going to say I that won't, there's not a, I was going to say that for teaching right now, there's not a, not a lot. It's more just a, in, an introduction and, and then he knows that this is what I'm trying to do with my life. So, sure. Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, Ryan sounds maybe a little bit like a younger Rick. Uh, could be, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way, but uh, you know, wow, geez, that's. Uh, I I think that would uh that would fit. Wow, it's um, uh, that's a revelation yeah. right there, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I glad I had it for you, but it's just interesting I, I, how I we. That to my, uh, I would have mentioned that to my wife and see what she says. I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> it's it's interesting uh, the um, dynamics and. Um, you know, I get to hear a lot of these conversations and obviously, you know, stepsons of my own. Um, our little guy, Che, you know, he's eight. He's very much like me. And mm. it, it really, it takes something when you see that in you, you know, to, to recognize that, to, to be able to respond to that in a different way. And, you know, me and Che have had our, our bumping of heads many, many times for the first few years. You know, I've been with my partner now seven years and um, you know, we've bumped heads a lot and and one day it just clicked for me that wow, this he's just he's exactly like me and I, I need to look in the mirror and see what I'm reflecting back to him. You know, it's right. It's um it was really interesting for me to to experience that and then on the other side, much like your daughter, our other boy, Indy you know, he's 10 years old now. He's very touchy-feely, very loving, very much just the mm-hmm. people pleaser. And what I realized was I just need to give more of that love to Che and show that yeah. that more of that intimacy and that, I, like you say, consistency, being there all the time and, you know, all those things that you wouldn't normally do. You want to respond with a you know, your younger self, that more aggressive kind of self, and I was just the same, you know, I was, you know, harsh in the younger years as well, and and you you realise that if you can kind of flip the switch on that, um, things shift around. It's it's interesting the way life mirrors itself back to us. You know, the uh, this is something that uh, I'm picking up so much recently and, and look at it. It's all about uh, what is the result that I want, you know, um, if if I can ask myself what is the result I want before I make before I make the approach, I usually will change my approach. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, because it's not about uh, it's not about winning or losing. It's about the result. You know. And and if is the result that we have a better relationship and that the that uh, that they were successful, then then that's what's supposed to happen. You know, and, and if I tailor my my approach around versus maybe what I feel like I want at the moment to you know to win or be right, you know, it, it, things things go much better. So yeah, yeah, I totally totally understand that. So like you guys, um, yeah, you've been together for a while now. Um, what do you see in the future? Like the kids are kids are getting much older now and that sort of thing. What what happens further down the line? Um, well, with Ryan, I uh, like I said, it, it's been this work in progress for so long um, that I really have high hopes. Uh, I, I hope he is reading, uh, you know, reading the Warrior book, and something's clicking. Uh, and maybe it doesn't click today. Maybe it's you know five years down the road or something. I don't know. Um, Right now, it's just trying to be a uh, maybe be still be there, but just as an example, you know, I'm not telling him how to do anything. I'm just kind of maybe just showing him. And so, um, so uh, and and I I have found the uh, one of the things with Ryan that I've been trying to do uh, more recently is reach out to him, uh, you know, once a month, a couple times a month, and and just hey, how you doing? You want to go to lunch? You know what's happening at work. You want to, you know, pick a burger or something, and uh, just so it, it makes sure that I'm initiating some uh, some time together, uh, so that 
kind of get back on that uh, being there, you know, the consistency of, of being a part of his life regularly. Um, you know, cause as, as, as he grew up and kind of went out and doing his own thing, you know, he'd come back every once in a while, but it, the consistency wasn't there as much. And, uh, uh, I, that, that has to be my effort. You know, he's 20 or hell, he's 30 years old now. So, uh, I have to, I have to be the one to, to initiate that stuff sometimes, not just him. So. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, as, as kids get older, we, you know, you kind of think, oh, well, you know, they're going their own way. But if we want to continue that relationship, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're not our blood. They're not our biological kids, but they are our kids and we've, we've essentially mm-hmm. grown up with them. And, you know, we need to stay in communication. I think that's a good thing, a great thing you bring up just to, to remember that, to, to make the effort. Because a lot of people, it's, you know, it falls It has away. to be our effort, you know? Yeah. It's not just, hey, we didn't just do our job and now they're, now they're off and grown, you know? I mean, they're, uh, I mean, Ryan and, and Caitlin will always be my kids. Uh, uh, when I got married, uh, you know, we, we made a, a special deal with the ceremony of, uh, uh, you know, I gave each of them a ring as well. And, yep. uh, yeah, cool. And, and I told them then, I said, you know, look, I'm not your dad. I said, but I'll do everything in my power to, to raise you as best I can and, and, and always be there. And, uh, you know, the, that commitment still going, you know, I mean, hell for Ryan's, Ryan's 30, but, you know, here we are, we're still going. Yep. Um, Caitlin, Caitlin's going to get married this, uh, uh, next March. And, wow. uh, so she's moving on to another whole another phase of her life and uh and just wonderful uh uh wonderful part of the process you know trying to trying to be the dad who uh i i i'm still me um you know uh, she she wants she she's gonna have a big fancy wedding and uh unfortunately i am still me and i look at it and go you want to spend how much <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and that's been a uh, that's been a, a uh, I had to figure out how to get through that. Um, luckily, I, I watched my brother go through this a couple of years ago, and learned from him uh, kind of some advice that I had given him. You know, he was complaining about, you know, wow, it's just a big party to him, and you know, they're just pissing away all this money and blah blah blah. And, and I'm with him. Hey, I get it. You're absolutely right. You know, they're just turning it into a big, a big party for one day, you know, yep. but it, it's her party. So, yeah, uh, the advice I gave him was uh, find out what you're OK with. You know, what what do you want to bring to the gift as a gift to the party and set that magic number and give it to her. Mm. And that's it. And yep. then go enjoy the party. Don't yep. sit back and worry about, you know, what this costs, what this just make the number. And so. I did that, I did that same thing and my wife and I sat down and we discussed it and I, I use her as a, as a barometer of, look, am I just being a cheap old son bitch, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you, you know what, what a wedding is and, and what a woman wants. And, uh, and so we together, we, we came up with what was a, uh, a number I could deal with and a number that she felt was reasonable. And so I said, okay. And we, we, I called my daughter and said, here, this is it. Here's here's the check. You guys can do whatever you want with it. You want to have the big-ass wedding party? Then you do it. Yep. If it costs more than this, it costs more than that. But I don't have any more than that. So, <laughs> But yep. I'll be at your wedding, and I'll be smiling and having a great time. And, yeah. uh, and, and that was, I tell you what, it's been a fantastic approach. Yeah, it's taken it's all, of the, all of the stress and everything out of the whole process for me. It's interesting, uh, Rick, and I'll, I'll wrap this up soon because I know you know we've been we've go, been going a little while now. But um, what I'm getting from your whole conversation, like this whole conversation we've been having, is um, yeah, obviously you started out with a fairly rough upbringing and first half of your life kind of thing, and you've really turned it around. And like I, I would kind of say, like you you've got to be proud of yourself because you, you actually like now seem very stable. You seem very like you're, you're passing on really 
you know, quality values to your kids and good learnings and stuff. It, it's, um, you know, for me, looking from the outside, it's like, wow, like, you've turned yourself around, but not only that, you're passing it down to your kids. And this is what, you know, we have the discussion about leaders raising leaders. And like, I see that in you. I see, you know, like, you've had had that rough time. You've learnt your lessons. It's like you're turning... You turn it. You turn that all around for yourself, and now you're using it for your kids as well. So I, mate, I congratulate you, and kind of feel kind of honoured to have you on the on the podcast, and just to just to, you know, very grateful for your sharing because um, you know a lot of us, you know, a lot of us go through rough times. Not everyone goes through what you've been through. Not everyone has the challenges that you've faced, but not everyone deals with them in a way that they can be proud of and I think you can be proud of, of what you're doing. Um, yeah, so, mate, I'll just ask you one last question kind of thing. Is there one kind of tip or parting thought that you would you would uh, want to leave with our listeners? In this, uh, this one keeps coming back to me and, and, and you know, it's uh, something I heard in Warrior. Uh, uh, Fun plus love equals connection. And so have fun. Have fun with your kids. Have fun with your stepkids. Uh, because you can love them all day long, but you don't, that doesn't equal connection. But when you're having fun, you love your kids and you're having fun with them, you're making a connection. And if you're making a connection with your kids, you're doing the right thing. So that, uh, I, I just heard that you know, uh, uh, a year ago, but it clicked for me when I heard it. That's kind of, that, that's it. It makes perfect sense. You know, um, all of the, all of the lessons that I wanted to, you know, scream at them and, and show them and teach them, you know, it was, it really all came back to connection and they'll learn from me if we're connected. And so when I heard that fun plus love equals connection, uh, it, it made, made a lot of sense to me. That's awesome, mate. I'm glad you shared that. I have heard that before um, as well through Warrior, and you're exactly right. It's um, I think that's a that's a piece of gold for our listeners. Rick, um, again, mate, just wanted to thank you a ton for coming on today. Thank you for sharing your story and really sharing the the lessons there. It's, um, as I said, um, massive changes, massive. You know, lessons that you're passing on to your kids and, um, you know, that's what I see as, you know, a leader, you know, raising leaders. So thanks very much, Rick, for coming on today. No, thank you, James. I, I Trust me, I, I've gotten, uh, I've got the ton out of this, just, just rolling it all through my head again. This is, this is really, this has been a great day. Thanks, Rick. Cheers, mate. Would you like to learn more about how stepdads across the globe are joining forces in raising the next generation of leaders? Then head to www.stepdadsuccess.com and grab all the show notes plus a copy of the brand new tactical guide for creating more happiness, health, wealth and wisdom as a stepdad. And if you liked the podcast, please share it with other stepdads you know and leave us a review on iTunes. Again, that's www.stepdadsuccess.com for all the show notes and tactical guide. Come and join the new breed of stepdads, the growing group of leaders raising leaders.